Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I am really excited about today's episode I have been getting a lot of requests on Instagram to talk to millennial Latina mothers who are on this debt-free journey, who are trying to level up not only their finances, but the finances of their families. And I have an amazing freaking guest who is doing just that. But before we get into the interview, I just want to remind you guys to follow me if you're not already doing so on Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. We are having so many fun, enlightening educating conversations over there and I really want you to be a part of it and I want to be able to interact with you outside of this podcast because you know obviously I'm just kind of talking to myself or talking to a guest over a computer so on Instagram you know we get a one-on-one chance to interact you can ask me questions I post all kinds of questions to you guys about episodes that you want to see and I also have a lot of rants and random perreo dance breaks to my favorite Latin music. So, I mean, I don't understand why you're missing that. But if you are, go and find me on Instagram and make sure to subscribe to this podcast if you're not already doing so. That way, whenever a new episode comes out, you're being alerted, you're being the first to know, and then you can share it with all your friends and family. So um, no matter where you listen to our podcast, I love it. 
you know, if but if you listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review and um, share the love. So let's get into our interview with Rita Soledad Fernandez Paulino. That's a mouthful, huh? I know. Rita Soledad Fernandez Paulino is a 33-year-old former math teacher and current stay-at-home mom doing the mostest. She's a sleep-deprived mother of two committed to creating generational wealth while smashing the patriarchy. She's allergic to Benadryl and toxic masculinity. When she isn't driving her kids to school or her husband to work, you can find her avoiding cleaning by creating tonterias on Instagram at Generational Wealth Para Todos. Soledad, thank you for being here. I discovered you on Instagram and I think you started following me and I love your Instagram handle. Can you tell us what it is? Generational wealth para todos. I mean, who doesn't want that? Who right? doesn't want that? So first off, like that spoke to me. I'm like, I need to know what this girl's doing because I'm intrigued. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So can you tell us like what inspired you to create this Instagram? Because I know you have goals, obviously, for your family. And mm -hmm. part of this Instagram is like communicating those goals, putting them out into the universe so that you can actually hold yourself accountable for them. Right. It is. And I mean, for me, I was a teacher for 10 years and I kind of see Instagram as an opportunity for me to teach. Um, am I teaching anyone anything right now? No. <laughs> right now is the part of my phase of like I feel like when I was a teacher I would spend a good amount of time just building relationships with my students let them know who I am as a person so that's still like my phase in Instagram but I just think like I would love for my primas who are who are in their 20s my first group of students are now graduating college And oh, wow. they started to follow me and I've started to work with them about, um, you know, student loan, um, paying back your student loans and creating a budget as they start like their professional careers. And that's kind of like what I envision, um, just being able to spread that information. I also really needed to connect with people. Um, like I said, I was a teacher for 10 years and then I got sick. And then after I, I was on medical leave, I was on disability for six months. And I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. Um, when I finally got better, I was so grateful for my health, but still worried about going back to work. So I decided to take some time off. And this is like my year off. However, I'm with my two kids. Um, And I don't really get to talk to people. Stay-at-home mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mom struggles. Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a job that I ever imagined I thought I was going to have. I've always thought I was going to have my, you know, my career and be a working mom. And um, though this is, you know, temporary, it still has made me think like, is it going to be temporary? What am I going to do next? Because I'm not necessarily going, I know I'm not going to go back to teaching. Um, in the traditional sense. So Instagram was an opportunity for me to like connect with people. And then when I started my whole debt-free journey, I was all about talking about money and none of my comadres, none of my amigas, none of my tias, like no one in my family wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. And I felt like a weirdo. And then everyone was also telling me weirdo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, you know what, let me see if I could find some weirdos online, because that's where they say they are. <laughs> and I found them. And I I'm love so that. <laughs> <laughs> 
and this whole like debt-free community on Instagram, it's it's cool. And I've even started to connect with people, um, you know, in LA. And I'm just like, oh, I'm like now I'm like, oh, I'm a cool girl in this little. There's a whole world out here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I want to talk more about your relationship with money growing up and also what actually made you interested in personal finance Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning. So my mom says that ever since I was a little girl, I would always save money. And um, they would give us our domingo, so like our our cash um, on Sundays, right? Like an allowance? Uh, no, it wasn't even an allowance. It was like, I don't know, like every Sunday we went to church and then after church, my grandfather would give us a dollar and walk us to the panaderia. Okay. And, and my brother and sister used their entire dollar. And I would maybe buy a concha. Usually, like my brother and sister would ask me for my money <laughs> like, to share <laughs> with them. And then I would just kind of save it. And my mom says I was always like that. Like I always, I was always saving money. Like I didn't necessarily feel that the urge to spend it. Um, so maybe like my ability to delay instant gratification, like I was just born with that shit. Like it's, yeah. you know, it, it, it's interesting. Um, and that was, you know, like my life, I was just kind of saving. And then as I got older, um, I was raised by a single mother and we definitely went through a period where like we were house poor where you know she had her property um mm-hmm. but to maintain that property she we didn't have anything else um yeah. so sometimes that meant like not knowing which electricity bills to pay that meant i mean utility bills to pay um it meant that uh we didn't have a television uh we like bought our shoes from payless um we not the name of the net and mm-hmm. i remember one time my mom going to Vons, a grocery store to buy milk, just a gallon of milk. And she was going to pay on a credit card and it got declined. And uh, the person behind my mom said, it's okay. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you the milk. And I remember seeing my mom's face and seeing like, I think she's like started tearing up. But I remember in that moment thinking I'm going to grow up to be that woman behind like who was behind us oh and that like that's just always something that stayed in my head and yeah I I, I like definitely feel that way like I'm not someone like I know I want to have money I've had money but it's always been like just so that I could help other people because I don't necessarily need it you know like mm-hmm. I don't like it doesn't necessarily make me happier but it really really makes me happy helping other people like that gives me a lot of joy and that's awesome. and money can do that and absolutely it's powerful like that so that was kind of like you know my upbringing in terms of like so I just always saved I remember like for my quinceanera like I saved all this money um for my quinceanera and then I started this little little foundation and it wasn't legit it was just me (laughs) and but I call it the little little foundation and I would like um buy buy uh, toys for toy drives I donated money to like anything that was happening around like any kind of charity anybody who was in need that's what I was using my quinceanera money on and that's how I like always was with my money I just I was just kind of like I saw it as as a means to help other people um Mm -hmm. and never really needed so much for myself I'm a minimalist also but I didn't know that I was a minimalist 
or didn't really officially become a minimalist until like three years ago when that like word came up and I was like oh I could have done the documentary I <laughs> <laughs> you know like so yeah like why is this a thing now guys yeah like, yeah, yeah there's many of us have been living like this yeah, yeah, for yeah. a long time yeah and I was like, oh, okay um so yeah my family thinks it's, thinks it's weird though uh but that that's another aspect of things so yeah. I've been a saver I would say like all my life and then I got into personal finance or like I started to learn more um through boyfriends and this is where the novella start (laughs) this is gonna be the novella episode I am I did not expect that I'm intrigued (laughs) yeah I mean like I grew up in a family you know a Mexican American family my my mom was born in Mexico my dad was born in Mexico they were they came over here young um and it was very my mom like really wanted to still maintain a lot of the Mexican culture and so like my mom didn't let my sister go to any school dances without a chaperone they couldn't (laughs) have boyfriends but it was uh, like so patriarchal tambien because I could not go anywhere without my brother who's younger than me Um, oh wow yeah I always had to have um, a guy around. And I think for me, part of the reason why I had a boyfriend so young is because it meant freedom. I knew that I could go to the library. Like, I didn't want to go like, to the movie. <laughs> I was out here trying to go to the downtown central library. And <laughs> and my mom was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then I was like, oh, but if my boyfriend comes, Okay. Like, it was, like, weird. It was Oh, God. Yeah. Like, it's oh, horrible. That's why I always say, like, I'm really about smashing the patriarchy. And now I call it out all the time once I learned, like, the vocabulary. And I was yeah. just like, oh, this sucks. Um, but at the same time, I was able to learn things from these novios. So I had a boyfriend. At, uh, I was, like, 18 years old. And he was in construction. And he had find a, he found a mentor. And that mentor gave him the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. And I love to read, always love to read. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm reading this. And we started talking about credit. And he told me, you know, um, you know, white people, because that was another thing. Like, we grew up very, um, in some ways, segregated, I would say. Yeah, like in the neighborhood that it was, like we were in, it was like predominantly um, people of color. And so, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, anyone who was white or, you know, they would say, like, gringos, it was, like, it, it, it was equated with money. And so, for him, when he explained it to me, he, he said, white people, and I don't think it's a white people thing, I think it's a wealth thing. But um, he said, they, they teach their kids about credit really young. And they give their kids credit cards, like, add their names to their credit cards. So that by the time they're 18, they already have a good credit score and they can get their apartments. And we were 18 and we're like, oh, so we have to get credit cards. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, we had done all this reading. So we knew like, oh, in order, if we're going to get a credit card, we need to make sure that uh, the debt uh, to credit ratio is low. So because that's going to affect our score, we have to make sure that um, we pay our payments on time. And so I was 18 and I wanted a credit card. My family was like, no, you don't need a credit card. No. What do you need a credit card for? And the boyfriend told me, um, you can you can get a credit card, uh, a credit card at Macy's or Victoria's Secret. I went with Victoria's mm. Secret. 
and I got this five hundred dollar uh credit card, and I don't think I like I maybe bought two things there my entire life, but that was my first credit card, and then eventually I got uh, a thousand from Macy's, and it was also pre pre like that first recession where everybody could get mm. credit cards. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, you want a credit card? Yeah, sure. You, you don't work. You don't have no income. That's okay. You know, like, we're, yeah, we're, no problem. We're going to give you this <laughs> credit card. And I started to develop my credit. And then I ended up dating this other guy who was a bank teller. And he tells me, um, do you do you keep your oh because I t- at that time I was keeping my money in my house right like in my little like in my cubby under the mattress yes 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 <laughs> um and he was like oh you should keep your your cash in a CD and I was like what's a CD and he was like well based on the term limits that's going to determine your interest rates you know three it depends how often you know when you want the money and I was like oh I don't need the money it's just there I'm just saving it and he's like then put it away for six months at that time. The interest rates on CDs were like around 6%. Oh, wow. Yeah. But again, didn't really understand it completely, but I was like, okay, por los novios, you know, I was learning this information. <laughs> and, and so that's kind of how I continued. I just knew like I was going to have a credit card. I knew to monitor my debt to credit ratio, pay things off in full. Um, I knew I was going to save money and care about interest rates. And that was me already, like, by 18, 19, knowing that. That's amazing, because I didn't know any of that shit. Like, the only Porque message no I got from my novio. family. <laughs> bueno. No, el que tenía uno, pero que era un gato de tiempo. I know, I got lucky. I got mad. He was a whole waste of time. So, um, yeah, I didn't learn shit. <laughs> the bank teller was an asshole. And I'm not, like, I, I'm not going to say his name. Well, I, like, dated him for, like, a minute. He was also way too old. At that time, I was like 19 and he was 25. Um, but let's let that be known. The bank teller was an asshole. And, <laughs> but he did teach me about CDs. And, he served his yeah, purpose. Served his purpose, <laughs> taught me about CDs and interest rates. And I learned that. I learned that from him. So excellent. Okay. So <laughs> did you ever like get it to a point where you were like spending out of control, like as you were bawling out of control? Because I know that happens to a lot of people as you get older. Like, they're good with their money when they're young and they're broke, but then, like, lifestyle inflation becomes a thing. Was that ever a thing for you? It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, that's I good. I know. It's, it's kind of wild. Like, I um, I continue to work. Like, when I was in college, I worked full-time while I was in college. I always really cared about, like, saving money. And I had my little credit cards. Um, I even bought a car by myself. Um, and... I remember I wanted to buy cash. The first car I bought, I, it was cash. And that's actually a really cool story. I bought a car. My mom didn't, again, the patriarchy. My mom didn't want me to go uh, dancing on a Thursday. She was like, who goes dancing on a Thursday? You should go dancing on a Friday, on a Saturday. And I wanted to see Sonora Dinamita. Do you know that? I do. Oh, not. yes, you do. Yes, you do. You just don't. You just don't know what I Nothing met this in me. Cuckoo. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm bad with yes, names. Yes, you know Sonora Dinamita. Okay, so I had the chance to see Sonora Dinamita. And my mom um, was like, no, you can't go. And then I was like, and I was going out, uh, I was going with the bank teller guy. 
and I didn't want, I wanted to go in a separate car and I had just got into a car accident. My mom didn't want me to borrow her car. So I went and bought a car cash. Yeah. What? I went. <laughs> like the day of yep, the dance? The day. The oh, day wow. Of. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to go buy a car. And she's like, oh, well, <laughs> that's going to take away from your savings. Because everyone knew how I like my savings. I was like, you know what? It's there, it's there for things like this. So go dancing. And I, and I went and I bought a car. Um, and it was like maybe no more than $3,000. But I bought it cash. Went to see Sonora Dinamita. And the next day I returned it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Return a car. because i read i read the paperwork and um it had started to smoke a little oh shit. <laughs> so it was actually and when i went read through the paperwork it said like you had like this 72 hour period that if anything happens like during that time you know you could you could return it and so because it did smoke a little i went back i told them and then they offered me a job that was one of the jobs i had Yo, that is the wildest story I've ever heard in my life. Like, I can't even right now. Yeah. So, and then I worked at the car wow. for a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then you meet your husband. Your now husband. Well, there was there was more novios in between that. <laughs> bueno, look, bueno, sí. So ahora you're married with children. What was it like incorporating your finances with another person? Is he like you? Is he like a saver or is he a spender? Okay, Wes, you know I've been married more than once, right? <laughs> oh, no. I don't, okay. No, let's okay, get into it. Okay, so this is where I, again, it gets complicated. I, all right, so I go to school. I went to school in LA, close by home. I had full scholarships to every school I had applied to, menos uno, NYU. NYU didn't even accept me. Everyone else that I, UC Berkeley, USC, uh, Princeton, all these other schools accepted me and with full scholarships. I, at the end of the day, was too scared to leave my family. So I stayed close by, went to a private school close by. And I'm not going to say the name because at that, well, you'll see. Um, I go to a private school close by and I'm there, I'm working and had my jobs. My mom was struggling with her health during that time. So a lot of times, a lot of money I was making, I was also helping my mom um, pay for her bills. Dealt with some racist, sexist bullshit. And eventually, um, long story short, I decided that I'm not going to go to school there. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to deal with racism and sexism as a, as a female math major, Latina math major, and I was the only female, only Latina, was with all white guys. Um, if I'm gonna deal with racism and sexism, I might as well go to my dream school. So I dropped mm. out of that school um, for a while, and then I applied to go to NYU. And when I get accepted to go to NYU, um, I had to take out student loans, and I didn't mm -hmm. know anything about it. I didn't know. Like I was just so excited that I got accepted, and here I was, like this little girl from Echo Park, now gonna go to New York City, you know, where Jennifer Lopez is from, aka my idol, like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, like, I'm going, and my mom said, of course you're going, and she took out loans, and I took out loans, and I left to New York City, and I continued to work, and I had to work so much to, like, pay for my rent, and go to school full-time, and I was still taking out so many loans, um, 
in total, at the end of it, it was like a hundred and I would say like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Jesus. And Christ. I went and mind you, like I was a math major. Um, and I only went to NYU for two and a half years because I had already done some time somewhere else. So that was my mm. debt. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> so I walked away from a So how do you even tackle that type of number, girl? How how do you even tackle that number? Because that that just makes my eyes pop yeah. out of my head. I thought I had a lot with like fifty thousand dollars and yeah. So what what was your game, was plan, no for game that? plan? There was no Woo. game plan. I I my mom didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. I just would continue to sign these promissory notes. Um, I, yeah. at the end of the day, like what was attached to my name was thirty thousand. My mom mm. had a hundred, and wow. um. And my mom was always telling me, like, you know, this is your dream. This is your dream. Like, you know, like, it's okay. You know, like, never, never, like, never even said to me, like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna pay this back one day. No, she never said anything. She was like, of course, of course, I would take out these loans for you. Of course. Uh Like, there was nothing. And mind you, like, my sister was like, what the heck? My brother was like, what the heck? But I didn't even see it because I was in New York. And I think, like, for me, like, yeah. My brother and sister always, my mom always spent money on them. My mom never had to spend money on me growing up. Like I was always, she would be like, oh, could you let me borrow this money for this? Can you let me borrow this money for that? So I think in some ways it was like, my mom was like, here. And my, like, I'm telling you, I probably did not let my mom borrow more than like, more than $10,000 of my entire like life, I imagine. But if Uh it was like, my mom was like, here, all the money I owe you. You know, like <laughs> not really knowing tampoco, you know, and and at the same time, just being someone like, you know, this is why we were here in the United States for you to have this, you know, to live your dream of living in New York City. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't even about college anymore. It was about living my dream of being able to leave Echo Park, leave L.A. and ride the six like Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Yeah, quote unquote, make it right. That's yeah, what all that, and that's wants for what it kids. felt like for me. Like I was, you know, I was, I was twenty when I left, and it just felt like, yeah, that that's what it was. That it was, and and it's crazy because I majored in mathematics, and I didn't necessarily know what I was gonna do. I didn't know what career I was gonna have. I originally went to school thinking I was gonna be a biology science teacher. Um, and then I got a B in chemistry and I was like, Oh no, I'm not gonna like, I, again, I didn't know better. I didn't know like having a B in chemistry is actually good. I was used to being this straight A student and I was like, Oh no. And, and then I looked at all my math classes. I was like, Oh, math's easy. And I, and when I became a math major, because it was easy. And then I went to NYU and was a math major and they had an education program. I was like, okay, teach. My mom was a teacher. Uh, a lot of my tias are teachers. So I just thought like, oh, that's, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to NYU, a very expensive school to be a teacher. And teachers, like, a year, a year in tuition at NYU is the same the same thing as a salary for a teacher. Wow. That's crazy. You know? And again, I didn't know this. I didn't, for me, it was all like Jenny from the block. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag priorities. Yeah, and, and... Nah, I, I get you though. Like they 
society asks us to determine what our lives will look like mm-hmm. at the age of 18. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to do. Like, I don't even know how to take care of myself, let alone decide what the rest of my life's going to look like. So a lot of us, I think, are in the same kind of boat where we're just like ended up in careers and pathways that it's because uh-huh. oh, la familia or whatever. And we really don't know what the hell we're doing yep. and why. Yeah. So that was me. Mm. I ended up in I ended up in New York City. Um and I I have that debt, but again, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm still saving money. I'm working, you know, sixty hours a week. I, I'm I, I'm a tutor. Ooh. I'm a nanny. I'm working. Um, like my I don't even remember what they call it, those student college jobs. You know, uh, work study, work study jobs. I'm doing that. I'm going yeah. to school for t- full time, and I'm like living in one of the NYU dorms. They're like apartments. Seeing like the like it's on Water Street, so you can see like the Brooklyn Bridge. I live like on the 15th floor of this crazy place, mm-hmm. and I'm and everyone's telling me, "Yay, you deserve it!" Like, "Yay!" Like. You deserve this. You worked hard for it. This is, you know, like all the sacrifice when you were in high school, all the hard work that you've done, like you deserve living here. And I felt like, shit, well, my mom's not here with me. Why? And I also felt like I'm here and it, it makes me tear up. I'm here, but I'm the only one here. Like where are all my friends that I mm-hmm. grew up with? What is, you know, what about my cousins? What about, you know, my little brother? Um, yeah, so I dealt with that, like, you know, imposter syndrome or like guilt, wealth guilt. And it, I wasn't even wealthy. I yeah. wasn't even wealthy. But I was already <laughs> starting to feel that, like, by 21. Yeah. Wow. And I think in some ways that kind of also kept me, like, you know, that that guilt also made me feel like um, I struggled with that. I struggled with how much could I enjoy my life if it meant it was a sacrifice on my mother's behalf. So I felt mm-hmm. like even after, like I eventually got a master's full ride for my master's. Uh, I got into this program called Master America where they paid for um, my master's completely at NYU. And they also gave me a $100,000 stipend on top of it. 30000 wow. in which I received like that first year while I was in grad school. And then 70000 that was dispersed in the... Um, four years while I was teaching and I had that money. I was going to school. They said, don't work, just focus on your studies. But I felt, no, I have to work. I have to, I, I should continue to save money. I should continue to help my mom. Like I I always wanted to have money just in case my mom needed something. And, Uh and everyone else was like, you know, where, where other people could enjoy something like that. I definitely felt like, no, I'm, I, I'm only here because of sacrifices. Therefore, I should be sacrificing too. That is such a common story, I think, for a lot of us is to just feel that when we're going out into the world and accomplishing all these things, it's not just for us. It's like for us to lift the entire family out of whatever situation they're in. Like we have a responsibility that is just greater than ourselves. I think yeah, a lot I think of people Latinos, deal I think with that. people of color, indigenous communities, anyone who has had to deal with the effects of colonization, like, it fucked up. Absolutely. And I, I mean, yep. now I can tell you, like, basta. It stops here. It ends here. 
um, we're not going to continue to have like my kids, my family, we're not going to continue to believe that, you know, we're not here to enjoy everything that this world has to offer because of the sacrifices of our ancestors. Like we are our ancestors dreams. And I think about my abuelas um, and the things that I have now that they only dreamed of. And we could even go, like, and that's still very close. Like my grandmothers are still alive. Um, but no, we're our ancestors' dreams. We all need to make sure that like, we're living our best lives, bringing joy to ourselves right now. Like that's how we, that's how we bless our ancestors, not by continuing to sacrifice. Um, yeah. I love that so much. <laughs> so you're back in California, right? So what, Okay. how did you end so up I, going I'm back? I'm teaching in New York City. Um, and I have like this money and I'm just saving it. And I'm just saving like all the money that I have. I'm, I'm not going, I'm, not, I'm like literally working all the time as a teacher, which is so easy to work so much as a teacher because there's so much to do. Um, especially I always chose to work in the communities that were very similar to the ones that I had grown up with, grown up in. So I worked in the South Bronx for a while. I worked in Washington Heights, um, and low income areas full of students who are going to be the first ones in their families to go to college. And I'm teaching mathematics and I'm working a lot and just all the money that I'm making, I'm just saving it. I'm not, um, Okay, and tampoco, like, I, I can't be, like, I'm tan, like, like, santita either. Like, yes, I did go to the club. <laughs> I do love to dance. Like, yes, yes, I did do that. I did like to, like, not repeat uh, outfits. So I always, like, had a new outfit anytime I did go to a club um, and did stuff like that. But I would say the majority of my money just went to food, shelter, um, a little dancing for Friday and Saturday. And then I was just saving it. And I was saving it because my mom always told me, you got to buy property. You got to buy property. Because at the end of the day, the reason my mom was able to take out that $100,000 alone is because she owned property. And that's also like part of the reason mm-hmm. we struggled when we were kids is because my mom couldn't afford um, the mortgage and also our everyday bills. But my mom stuck with holding on to that prop- the properties that she had. Uh, and now because of gentrification, her properties are worth so much. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And so my mom was always telling me like, you know, you save your, save your money so that you can buy property. And she would tell me to buy property. Um, and so that was kind of like my whole thing. And then I wanted to live with my boyfriend and my family said, you can't live with someone if you're not married. So then I said, okay, I'll get married. And I went to court and I got married. <laughs> Just like Just I got, like the, you car. got the car. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I got married and then I was like oh no oh no (laughs) and so yeah you can't return him like the car girlfriend I was like I can't and then everyone else was like no you can't and then I was like but I didn't really get married because I didn't get married in the Catholic church (laughs) yeah rationalizing I love it you know that was the whole experience and then finally one day I was like um yeah I've never settled in terms of like my dreams in my life I can't settle in my personal life either and I decided to get a divorce so my I was like married at 22 divorced by 24 
Okay. Um, okay. And uh, all that money that I had saved up, I lost a lot of it because of a divorce. Oh, shit. Oh my god. This is a novella episode. Pero why? I was the one who made all the money. I guess you this was during the recession. So this is another thing. Like there was a while when I was thinking about going into finance and I got um I got an internship with Lehman and Brothers. Like am I even saying that right? Yes. I did an internship with them. And the professor who wrote me the letter of recommendation um, for that was like, oh, this is going to be great. You're going to love it. Okay. And then the market crashes and they fell under and there went my internship. So that same professor is the one who told me mm. about Math for America, that program that I got with the, with the masters and that I would commit to teaching for five, uh, four, four years in New York City, but it was a five-year program. That professor is the one that told me that. And they said, well, you know what? Look, the market's down mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and it was a crazy time to live in New York City when when the market crashed. Um, but, you know, in a few years, things will get better. And then you can go back into finance. So why don't you do this program? And I got into the program and I loved teaching. I loved it. I loved it. And, and once I did it, I thought I was going to be a teacher forever. Um, well, during that time, uh, my ex had just graduated with um, a degree in communications. And people who had years of experience in communications in New York City were being let go. So no one could, no one could get a job. Especially like college graduates, like they, they weren't able to get a job at that time. It's actually scary because it kind of reminds me of Tiempos right now. And, and mm-hmm. like my students, the ones that I told you who are graduating right now, I'm like, there's probably going to be a, a t- hiring freeze when it comes to teachers, that was that was something that I had to experience. There's gonna be, um, you know, lost opportunities for jobs. You're gonna lose your your internships, but it's okay. Like it'll get better. Trust me. <laughs> I've been through this before, kind of thing. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. So so yeah. So I was the one who who made all the money. He didn't work at all during that time. I mean, he had like some jobs, but he wasn't able to use his degree. Um, and I was able to pay for everything. I, I got us our apartment. I got us our furniture. I got us, I got us everything. Um, and I was the one that wanted the divorce. And he didn't. And I knew if I gave him money, he would know I was serious. So, mm. yeah. That sounds you so bought nasty. him out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? But like... Well, girl, you gotta do what you gotta do. He went on to do amazing, great things. He's been living his best life. At the end of the day, we just weren't, you know, we weren't compatible. I also think in terms of myself, how toxic I was promoting, like, toxic masculinity at that time. um, Because I had also ingrained in my head this Mm -hmm. idea that, that like, oh, the man was supposed to make more money. So when I was making more money, I was like, you know, like, I also hadn't, like, I realized that I promoted a lot of machismo también. And I think females can do that too. And mm-hmm. where we talk a lot about like, you know, being against machismo, a lot of times it's, it's our mothers who help continue that cycle by how they raise their sons um, and how they treat their daughters. Um, so, Amen. smash the patriarchy. 
so yeah, but also yeah, like for taking real. responsibility for myself at that time where I was in my life and how I also um, contributed to like a lot of that mess too. But that that person is doing well now, and you know, you live and you learn. I eventually started dating my teacher assistant. Novela. <laughs> ah. Who's, mm. who's now my husband. Que escándalo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, okay, good. Um, so, yeah, so we started dating, and he was my teacher assistant. I was the teacher. He had dropped out of school. Uh, he had dropped out of MIT. And um, so smart, so smart. And while he was at MIT, his identity was stolen and his credit score sucked. And this is how I know, like, I loved him since the beginning because he's the only person who, like, I was married before I didn't have a joint checking account, right? I'm, I started dating my male husband and I was like, oh, your credit, your credit, your credit score sucked. Don't worry, I'll add your name to my to my card and you can start to piggyback off of my credit score. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, wow. whoever is out here listening, all the all the like That's real you, love do right not, there. Do not like do not do that. Like by the grace <laughs> of God, by the grace of God, everything works out, you know? Not for nothing, though, but I did the same oh, thing with my husband because he was in a similar situation where his credit was crappy, but I didn't give him the card. I was like, I'm going to put you as authorized user, but you best believe that card. You know what? I think like, I did the no same te, thing. I don't think no he actually ever used the card. I just <laughs> added his name and just never, like, that was just it. So that he could piggyback. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, okay, good. That's that's yeah. a good move. Disclaimer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I helped him with his credit. I continue, you know, I was the the one with the the money at that time. Um, but then after like that divorce, I definitely felt like, you know what, I need to live my life and and forget this, you know. I got I was just thinking, like, I lived in New York City, my family was in LA. I could have lied and t- like they didn't even have to know I was living with him. You know, I could like I could have lied. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but I didn't and I cared so much about my what my family thought and me getting a divorce also like my family there was family interventions they did not want that to happen and when I chose to get a divorce I I was afraid my family was gonna never talk to me again and I kind of just yeah. like well I'm gonna do it anyways because you only live once yeah and and it's your I, life, girl. You know, I did it, life. and they were upset, and I kind of distanced myself from my family. Well, distanced myself like I was already living in New York City, like for so wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where else you of, gonna like, go at this point? Frequency with them, and I was just like, I'm gonna live, you know. And then, you know, it's very easy to disappoint <laughs> Latino families, like because they have such a a prescriptive yep. way that they envision your life to go. So when I told my mother that I was moving from New Jersey to Florida, yeah. she didn't talk to me for two weeks. And it's just like, but mom, like I'm getting a promotion. I'm getting a raise. They're paying for me to move. Like this is great for my career. Like I'm not, it's not like I just quit my job, packed my shit and back my car. And it's like, I don't mm-hmm. have a plan. Mm-hmm. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have the plan, the plan of plans. And it was just like, pero, <laughs> why do you have to leave? 
Meanwhile, she was the one talking about yeah, going yeah. to Florida forever because obviously, you know, she's talking about retirement. But she's like, "Pero mm-hmm. tú no te puedes ir antes que yo." And how old are you? How old are you? I'm like, yo, ma, like for real. <laughs> I'm 35, girl. No, I know. Stop it. I know. Okay? I, mean, I see how my grandma was with my mom still. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, oh, and another thing about my family is that when I decided to move to New York City, everyone started making bets of how long I was gonna end up. <laughs> Being able to last there, <laughs> and the only one, the only I, one, like, everyone was like three months, one month. She'll be back by spring. Um, yeah, yeah. Damn, yo, um, that's savage. My, you know, like my my dad's side of the family, it's a gambling family, so they legit were putting down like their bets. And my grandfather, my abuelito, <laughs> who's like the world to me, um, said, "You'll be lucky if she ever comes back." Mm-hmm. Oh, and when I got I my those. when I got my divorce, and everyone continued to talk to her for a bit, he was like, "I remember him saying she wasn't the first one to get a divorce, and looking at all of you, she probably won't be the last." <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I love him died. already. Yeah, I know. But, I um, can, yeah, can't say So so yeah. Um. So I end up in New York City. I get my divorce. I meet my now husband. I'm helping him with his credit. He's learning how to code. He's teaching himself how to code. My family thinks it's crazy. Que, que ya tengo novio. Like so quickly, you know, like, oh my goodness. Plus he's Dominican. And <laughs> um, he's black. And my uh. family had their colorism issues. And so. Yeah. which latino household doesn't let's so, be honest um they had their colorism <laughs> issues so for sure my family was like oh now she really like she's just gone off to live her life like she <laughs> like that's it you know yep and i did it she don't and give up like i was like so in love so in love with my husband so happy and i knew like uh, let's live our life so we started traveling and I would pay for, you know, all the vacations. And so I started, that's where, like, uh, the emergency fund or, like, the savings I had at that time. I was, like, I lost them to the divorce. But then I was also traveling. And I would just, like, wake up and I would be, like, babe, do you want to go to Jamaica? And then he'd be, like, no. And then I'd be, like, okay, when's your birthday? And I would buy us flight tickets. And, you know, just, like, we were just living. And we went to DR. And we were just going on these mm-hmm. vacations. And and it was great and all this time throughout that time he's like learning how to code and then I wanted to have kids and he's young right like he's younger than me I was young too and um I looked Mm -hmm. into uh, adoption and wanting to be a a foster care parent and he was like how how are you ever gonna have kids if you go out dancing every weekend like, how is that even going to happen? And he's like, you go six months without dancing, <laughs> without going to a club, and I'll even consider it. And I um, and I was like, okay. And I had like a big old, okay, everybody, come out. This is my last time, and, you know, that I'm going to be going out in a long time. So everybody come together. And, of course, everyone's like making bets there, too. All my friends in New York City are like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to last. But it did. And six months of no clubbing. And then I was like, okay, let's have kids. And um, <laughs> and again, that was like another kind of wild thing because I didn't have a plan. 
<laughs> I had, you know, like my student owed debt. My uh, my husband was like uh, doing like some internships. Had was teaching himself how to code. I was a teacher. I felt like I made good money because I was making like eighty six thousand a year. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in New York City, as a teacher, I had that stipend money that Damn. like yeah, you know, like was added to my salary. Plus, uh, yes. I had started okay. teaching with a master's. Um, so I was like. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm ready to start a family. <laughs> and by this time, I'm like 27. <laughs> well, okay, yes, that's know. a good age. Really? Okay, so that's when most, most of, of my, my friends, friends had. My kids. best friend had her first yeah. kid at 20. So here in Echo Park, I, I had my friends who all had okay. their kids really, really young, and that's why I'm a madrina to so many kids. Because since I didn't have my kid, I was a madrina mm-hmm. to everybody. Uh, I have six godchildren. And yeah. <laughs> um, so in wow. some, in like my LA life, I was, you know, old. <laughs> in my <laughs> New York life, I was like, yeah, good. And then I feel like as a millennial, I was young. I was really, really young. Um, because millennials aren't, you know, like... Uh-huh. By the time I started, like, teaching over here in L.A., I was the only one with kids. I'm, you know, like, none of my coworkers had children. So that's kind of wild. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I was, I was 27, and we bought everything for, for the apartment, the, you know, like, the crib. Um, um, we moved into an apartment that had two bedrooms. Well, first, because I was trying to do the foster care thing, um, but it didn't work out. And then um, we went to uh, try naturally. And when we did, when I got pregnant, got all the stuff for the nursery, started setting everything up. And then I wake up one morning and I tell my husband, I think we should move back to LA. And he's like, oh, okay. Like when? And I was like, soon. And he's like, oh, okay. Like how soon? I was like, I'll look into flight tickets. And he's like, we, you know, we just signed this lease. We um, bought all this stuff. Like we already have the stuff for the nursery. And I was like, yeah, but I just have a feeling. I have a feeling that I need to go back. And uh, a week later, we moved to LA. And we like sold everything. Wow. And um, this is the crazy thing. Now I leave with no, no job, right? I have no job. He has no job. We moved back thinking we're going to live at my mom's mm-hmm. house. Um, but my mom's house was in no shape for us to live here. So I had like all the boxes I had sent back mm-hmm. to L.A., uh, which had like books. That's like I was like, oh, we get rid of everything. I'll just take a maleta, start all over, all over again. Just like I moved to New York City with just a maleta um, and a thousand dollars in my pocket. Um, I'm moving back now with more thousands of dollars, but still like I'm 20 weeks pregnant. Um, my, I'm coming with my husband and we can't move into my mom's. So then we didn't have anywhere to live and I'm pregnant and we don't have job. The wild thing is that what ended up happening to me is I found out that I had a placenta previa. And that having um, that my my pregnancy was high risk and I was had to be in bed rest for the remaining of my pregnancy. So 
which ended up being good that I oh, went wow. back to LA because I could be, be near all my family and they would be able to help me. Um, and I found that out the day before we flew out of New York City. So I'm like on medical leave, um, cannot work because anytime I would even walk to the bathroom, I would start to bleed. Yeah. Um, my husband Ooh. had been teaching himself how to code and eventually is able to find a job. We move in with my best friend who was living in the basement of her parents' house. Yeah. So I'm sleeping I with my best meal. friend on the bed. My husband's on the sofa. My godchildren are also in the room with us. And I, um, then my best friend's mom builds us a little, a little section, uh, like a, a separate section, still like in the basement for us to be in. It didn't have a kitchen, but it had uh, a bedroom and a bathroom, our own, our own bathroom. And we're living there. And then I have my son and my mom kept her properties. I would say like, that's another big thing in my story is that my mom held on to those properties and she was able to, we moved into one of her rentals, a, a one bedroom house. And then we're renting there from her. And uh, my husband, you know, was making like 80 something thousand dollars. So good, like good money. It's us together. I have a very complicated pregnancy, an even more complicated birth of my first son. It takes me a long time to recover um, physically from it. I, I like, I was messed up, tore up, tore up from the floor up. <laughs> like that's actually a perfect way to explain my, my <laughs> the birth of my first child. Um, and I'm not, I'm at first not working because I just can't, which was also very hard for me because I started working at 12, 12, 13 years old and had always been working multiple jobs. So when I wasn't working because I was put on bed rest, that's when I started to realize the issues that I had in terms of my own, like my identity, identity being so tied with my job and what I, my productivity levels, I would say. And so when I felt like I wasn't being productive, then I, I felt like, well, who am I? And then when I started to question, who am I? That also would affect my self-esteem. So that was, that was a hard time. That was a really, really hard time. Um, and, and again, I'm not really thinking about finances at that time. Like I still kind of had that emergency fund, that leftover money that I hadn't spent, but I'm kind of using it a little, not definitely not contributing, not saving any money at all during that time um and kind of using a little bit to buy furniture uh always like I would always buy everything on credit but then pay it off in full to like at the, I always just thought about my credit score so I was caring about having a credit score um my student loans that were under my name they were being um canceled because I was a teacher so the Perkins loans were, were being canceled and then the Stafford yeah. loans I could up to 17,000 of it was going to be canceled after five years of teaching. And so I kept just applying for like teacher, uh, teacher loan forbearance, which means that during that time I would still accumulate interest, but I didn't have to make any payments during that time. Um, and I had done the math to know that at the end of the five years, yes, I was going to gain interest, but at my student loan total was only going to be 15000 So they would still all get canceled. 
And so, I, you know, I did that, but that was really, that's it. I wasn't budgeting. I wasn't doing anything. Um, I wasn't saving money, just kind of navigating this journey of motherhood. Um, and eventually my son is going to turn one and I want to throw a big party. Cause like I've told you, uh huh. And I want to throw a big old birthday party, a big party. I'm a puro party person. And um, I'm looking at places to have the party. And my husband's like, no. And, and my, mind you that my son's birthday is in November. And it's like March. <laughs> and I'm already like thinking about it. And he's like, no, I'm not spending like, I think I was like, oh, like how much do you think would be good for a party? Like 2000 and he's like, $2,000? No, like that's crazy. And my husband's also an introvert, you know? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. And he's like so to himself. So he also doesn't, like, he doesn't value the party life the way I value it. And what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, not everyone is as cool as me. It's so. amazing how we attract the complete opposite of uh -huh. ourselves, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But your husband's a DJ, right? He is, but like, I'm more of the introvert. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of anxiety before throwing parties. Like, I... I hate the planning of it. Like, it gives me so much stress. And I'm always like, oh, my God, nobody's going to show up. And then everybody, of course, shows up. And I'm like, yeah, this is great, but I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I have moments during party planning that I'm like, I'm not doing this again. And then 
as soon as the party's happening, I'm already thinking about the next one <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I like, uh, I have had a party every single month this year. And what? Yeah. Oh, girl, you're doing the most. <laughs> I know. I know. And Corona's really impacting my party life right now. So that's girl, it. you're saving some money. Okay. So <laughs> I, know, I know. Thank you, Corona. I know. Um, so my, my husband's like, no, that's crazy. And I'm also not used to that particularly because I've just always been like, mm, you know, if I want something, I Yo, always have the money. Las ganas. Yeah, I, I always, <laughs> I always have the money to do it because I'm like, I would just kind of just save. I always just have money, and so in my mind is like, well, you know, we have the money, we have yeah. the money there. Why not? And he's like, because it's crazy. Like, why would you take money out of this savings account, like? You know, we don't own a house. That's what he said. He's like, we don't own a house, but you want to take money from this account so that you can throw a party. And then I was like, okay, then I'm going to get a job. And so I got a job and I started teaching. And of course, when I'm teaching, it's like, now I'm a working mom. And that was really, really hard. And I didn't really have the same time or energy to like plan a party. And that really and the first party was like yeah it like it was not it's not not something I would want to be remembered for mm-hmm. um but at that time it kind of that was our first time to talk about money where we didn't agree you know and I was like okay so the only reason I'm working is so that I could increase our savings so that I can throw the parties that I want to throw like that's that's what's happening here mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and that started our money conversations and that's when I was like okay well what are our goals what you know what are we you know what do we want for ourselves financially because we've just been out here living la vida loca um <laughs> doing like as we please when we want to but what is you know what do we want and so we said that we wanted property but then I was fighting it and I was like I don't want property I don't want to I don't want to feel like tied down to one place at that time I wasn't thinking about like you know buying property as for rental purposes uh for house hacking purposes I didn't I didn't know any of that um I was just thinking like I don't want to be tied down and then he was like you're married with a kid like you're tied (laughs) down I was like no 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 no, I'm not I want to be able to leave at any moment's notice wherever I want to go and he's like Soledad it's not let's move to another state whenever you want anymore. It's just going to get harder and harder. And I was like, you're right. We need a lot of savings. We need a lot, a lot more savings to cover everything. And that's kind of, I was like, okay, I'm just going to save, save, save. Because, and in his mind, he was like, for a house, in my mind, it was like, I want to save, save, save. So that I have so much money that I can just always say like, okay, we're moving or we're doing this. We're like, I don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think like we can't, or there'd be a discussion. I just know that I want that money to be there. So mm-hmm. at that point is when I, I first started tracking our spending and created a budget for us, like together, we're working on it together, creating a budget. We track our spending. We're seeing like how we're spending our money and realizing like, you know, spending so much money on eating out, um, also just mindless spending mindlessly of like my son pointing to something saying he wants it and like okay 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 and also feeling that that's what success meant like being able to provide 
for your child everything that you didn't ever have. And, you know, my mm-hmm. husband grew up poor. Uh, he grew up uh, in the projects in the South Bronx. I already told you about my beginning. So for a while, we just kind of thought like, yeah, we want to, if he wants something, he should have it. Not in like a complete spoiled way, but just thinking like, that's what our money's for. Our, mm-hmm. It's supposed to be to just, you know, gives him what he wants. And so it meant music classes. It meant like, um, it, it just like any any little gym classes, like all these little activities, all these experiences that we never had as kids. I thought like, oh, that yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. No. Yeah, it's like you're living vicariously and doing all these things That's, because you didn't actually get to experience that. Them. And also, like, there's this idea of like this middle class life and what that's oh, yeah. supposed to look like, and like what um, a middle class upbringing looks like for a child and what they're mm-hmm. exposed to that my husband and I didn't have. And so, as and as a teacher, I also realized the differences. You know how. Um, you know, economic disparity impacts academics and and skills and it's, you know, it contributes to the achievement gap. So I also felt like, oh, yeah, like I was doing a lot with my son um, and trying to, like, keep up with this, I, this notion of what a good parent is supposed to be able to do. Um, so you replaced the basically the wealth guilt with mom guilt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. There's always some shit following us around. Some oh, form yeah. of guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely had the the mom guilt. Um, but you know, because we started tracking our spending, because we started like not like we didn't even budget. It was more like, let's just write down everything that we spend our money on and then kind of decide whether that's what we want to do. And um, we were living in that one bedroom apartment. And soon, like I felt like every weekend I was always trying to clean and I was always trying to organize things and we didn't have enough space. And I was like, how do we outgrow this place? And the garage was also filled with all these things that we had purchased for my son. And slowly I was like, decluttering and then I read somewhere like you're always gonna have to declutter as long as you keep buying Mm. and then I was like oh yeah and then I started reading like the minimalism stuff and to me honestly it's going back to my roots I feel like for both my husband and I but by reading you know listening to the minimalist podcast and reading um you know Marie Uh and all of that Mm -hmm. and reading all these minimalist blogs I was like oh yeah I want to just focus on experiences because I just got sick of the clutter and yeah and and slowly was like no we're gonna be minimalist and my family of all the things of all the things and I've already shared with you a lot (laughs) of the things that I did that my family thought was crazy becoming a minimalist was probably the one that they were like I (laughs) Dios mio (laughs) she's officially gone off the deep end what like my dad, I remember he was like, "So, are you guys like struggling financially?" And I was like, "Oh my!" I was God. like, "No, Dad." And then he was like, "Well, like, why don't you want more?" Mm. And I was like, "I do want more. I want more experiences. I want more time. I want more resting, and less cleaning and organizing, and being in this hamster wheel of like always needing money 
to get stuff that I don't really think I need. And yeah, they thought it was weird, especially when I started telling them like, we're minimalists, please don't bring presents to the parties. Yo, that's the hardest <laughs> conversation to have with people. Yeah. It's like, guys, we're not buying Christmas gifts for nobody. Like, I'm going to take you to dinner yes. or we're going to go to a show or something. And it's just like, they still insist on bringing shit to my house, even though I'm just like, I don't need anything. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> so I just end up regifting the shit that they give me <laughs> to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, my family, like, it's now been three years. So it's like, it's, you know, completely different. And my second son, his entire life was raised as a minimalist and it's so funny to see the difference between like my first son and my um, well my first child my my eldest is non-gender conforming that's why I like always try to refer to them as just like my eldest um yeah and the younger one um my my two-year-old he is it's interesting like the other day like he was playing dinosaurs but we don't have toy dinosaurs so he's using his fists as like dinosaurs (laughs) and I had a moment and I realized maybe I should buy him dinosaurs (laughs) and then he was like oh no no more dinosaurs now airplane and and I was thinking (laughs) this kid is so creative so creative like two years old isn't that amazing like and it's just his fist and his fist can be anything (laughs) you know yes it is limitless potential yeah so that that I think is pretty cool well so That's we start awesome. tracking our spending. We track our spending. We're starting to be just more conscious of where our money's at. We're we're becoming minimalist, saying no to things. And I have on my wall like this big old sheet of paper. And every day I'm like, oh, okay, what did you spend money on? And we would write it down. And my sister would come over and she'd like, oh, you're embarrassing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's my house. It's on my wall. Now you know I'm doing that that shit on Instagram. So you know how my family feels. But I was always like, no. And I would like, people would come over and be like, look, look at our wall. Look at this. Look at our spending. Oh my God. And they would be like, oh, you're weird. <laughs> but I just felt it so empowering. And I felt so free. And I it made me think like, what is it I really, really want separate from what society thinks, tells me I should want? Separate from what Jennifer Lopez even tells me that I should watch. Like, who am I? Which is what? Who am I separate from this, from Jennifer Lopez? (laughs) Yeah, J-Lo ain't got the same problems we got. But I could relate to her so much growing up because her mom was a teacher and my mom was a teacher and she loved dad. So, like, I think we were the same person. (laughs) <laughs> she was Puerto Rican but she did play Mexican Selena so she did and that's how she uh-huh. got her start so, so there, there was go. a lot of connections <laughs> um anyways so we're we're on this journey and we're good we're slowly like I just on our own without me reading any books or anything like being aware of our spending and we're starting to save more money and we're like you know what we're not we're not buying things that we don't want long term so of course we are start you know saving a lot of money And then my grandfather dies. And when he died, I, I was so lost. I was so scared. I was, I was a mess. And all I wanted to do at that moment was run and leave. But now I had my husband and my, and, and my son, my eldest, and I just started spending money and on my classroom 
And I had like the perfect Pinterest, perfect teacher classroom that year because it was so coordinated. I mean, you know, like on my Instagram, like it's not, it, it's like, you know, matches. Like I can be very matchy matchy. My classroom. Yeah, I can't. I can't do shit like that. My classroom. It's just too every much work. little detail. <laughs> everything matched. Everything. Like the borders, the their notebooks, their folders, every little thing matched. And I was spending, I just spent lots of money. And it was the first time after we had started tracking our spending that I needed to start to pay our credit cards in full. I needed to pull from the savings account to pay it in full. And mm-hmm. um, I was also really sad and, and not even monitoring my finances. So there was one month where I didn't pay my bill. And it was the one Oy. time that I paid interest on a credit card. The first, like the first time ever. I mean, my car that oh, wow. I had purchased when I was, um, when I was younger, not the, not the Puro Party car, the second car. Um, <laughs> like I had taken out a seven year loan, but I had paid it off in three years. And the total interest I ever spent was a thousand something, but it was on a car. Mm-hmm. It was on a car. So I always was like monitoring interest and, I remember I didn't pay the credit card, uh, the bill in full in time. And the next month I saw that I had like, I don't know, maybe like $17 of interest. And I was pissed. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, and my husband was like, your grandpa died. And I was like, I just can't, I just can't keep track of all this stuff so he started paying the bills during that time and I just was spending and he was doing it and I was spending and we just started eating away and eating away and eating away at our savings and um and that just continued for months so do you think that was just your way of coping with the uncontrollable for sure I mean I was just it was it was like I didn't I couldn't think long term anymore it was all about what today is going to make me wake up and be a mom still even though my grandpa's not here Mm. so I was like oh you know what it's gonna be going to the zoo it's gonna be you know um you know going anywhere yeah and I think that's a really important message like I think different things can happen in life that make you question like what the point of planning Mm -hmm. for the future Mm -hmm. is and that's definitely one of those things but if you get stuck in that place like you're never going to yep. move ahead. You're never going to put yourself in the mindset that you need to be to actually plan yep. for the future. And I wasn't, yeah. it was, I mean, my grandfather died on June 17th and, and then I was, that, that was the year I was going to turn 30 and I had a big party, a big party planned. And I was like, I don't even want to celebrate my birthday um, because my grandpa's mm-hmm. not going to be there. And mm-hmm. And yeah. so then I was like, hey, well, instead of, you know, saving that money, let's go to Disneyland and let's take the godchildren with us and let's stay at a hotel um, for the weekend. And it was a lot of that kind of stuff, just all experiences, because by that time we were minimalist and we weren't buying things, but it was a lot of eating out at restaurants, expensive restaurants and just anything. Yeah. <laughs> Using oh, money as a coping, a, mechanism. a coping mechanism. It was the best distraction. And yeah. then I got pregnant with my second baby. And I just was like, oh, life goes on. 
life is actually gonna go on and the the hole I felt in my heart the the moment I I saw that um, pregnancy test and it was positive I just like literally felt in my heart like oh my heart's closed there's not a hole anymore like 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 it just Mm -hmm. was like oh okay and then we went right back into okay tracking our spending looking at our numbers and I and I was like okay your my husband's student loan debt um my student loan debt I was like we got to pay this off um let's increase our savings let's like let's double our savings and I just started setting goals I just started setting goals again and that was great and with the goals I was like okay I'm focused and then I ended up getting sick and I was on disability and medical leave and um again my whole like self-esteem issues come up about like well who am I if I'm not a teacher um but I had also been sick so many different times in my life with like my autoimmune issues that this time was also different I had my two kids and I was just so happy that I had my babies and I didn't want them to see me be sick and miserable I was like they're gonna already have to see me sick that sucks but they don't have to see me miserable so let's see what sick and happy looks like for the first time ever. And mm. I started um, just reading a lot and journaling a lot. By this time, I was also like in, in therapy and just learning about other coping mechanisms besides like, you know, spending or like food, emotional eating. And I um, yeah. was just reading a lot. And I was on Instagram posting stuff on my other Instagram account. It's uh, called Solo Sonrisas 2.0 and writing like these mayus every day. And I was like, um, may you be able to walk to the, to the kitchen and not lose your breath. And I was just training my brain to like whatever I wanted in my life. I would just say, may you. So may you double your emergency fund. And And slowly I started to see that everything I was putting out there, I was like, may you, it was happening. So I was doing that daily. And every day I would post these things on Instagram. And I came across um, Girl Boss on Instagram. And they were looking for somebody to talk about, like to track their spending and for a week. And then they write about you, but it's like anonymously about your spending and your lessons and what you learn. And so I got selected for that. And they, um, they interviewed me and I tracked my spending and I wrote, um, they wrote this article and as I read my article, and then I also read the articles of other people, I was like, for the amount of money that's coming into this household, we shouldn't have any debt Mm. because there's other people who have less debt than us, less money than us. And they, they're out here like, like, Yeah making shit happen shit happen with like ganas and like getting it done and we're out here like we're Mm -hmm. like i don't know like we 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 got comfortable we got comfortable and yeah i was like no we could do better so then i just dived in to reading every financial book because mind you i'm also sick right i'm on disability um so i'm also at home and my kids are um, being taken care of because I can't even take care of them. So I'm just, you know, at home and I'm just reading and reading and I, I come across, you know, all the ones that you say in your podcast that, that you read, but don't necessarily represent us. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. um, Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, um, any um, David Bath, like any, anyone, 
any any financial book. I was just reading and reading and reading it. And uh, the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey really hit me because he also has like he his way is like very uh, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like my my Mexican family, where it's like kind of shames you. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know if how many people know that he's actually like an evangelical uh-huh. Christian. So he actually uh-huh. like is a preacher. So that's how he gets you. You know, there, there's a lot yes. of guilt yes. and shaming yes. religion. Yes, there is. And, <laughs> you know, like, you know, we grew up, my husband and I both grew up Catholic. And so that was something I think like, I don't know, like it resonated with us. It like, it like hit a little string or chord. We're yeah. used to being shamed like, about yes, how exactly. shitty humans like, we are. Oh, read this stuff about, you know, like, you know, eat rice and beans. And I was like, I grew up in rice and beans. Of course, I, I should know how to do this. Of course. <laughs> and, you know, like, live like no one else so that you can live like no one else, you know? And I was like, right. Yeah. Like, and um, our student loan debt, which at that time was 23000 Sometimes I think 25000 of a combined mm-hmm. what was left and I thought the like I'm not sure if I'm gonna go back to teaching there's a part of me that wants to go back to teaching because I'm thinking oh so that my student loans can get canceled but I thought well what if I just pay on myself and if I go back to teaching it's because I I really want to be teaching and not because of student loans because were you on that public Teacher loan uh, forgiveness. what is that public service loan thing yeah um, yeah and okay. And so, yeah, so I decided to, to just kind of like, I told my husband, like, let's just pay up, let's pay off all our student loan debt. And he was like, okay, how long do you think um, it'll take us to do it? And I said, oh, and this was, this was May. No, by June, I was like, in June, I was like, we could pay off all the student loan debt. He was like, and how long do you want to do it? I said, I want to be debt free by 33, September. So, uh uh-huh. Of 2019? And so it was June. And so it was June, July, August, September, four months. And it was, you know, like I said, about $23,000. And we did it. (laughs) Um, In June 2019, we had $6,000 in an emergency fund and $2,000 in a house fund. And fall after listening to like Dave Ramsey, we're like, okay, baby step number one, we have the 1,000 emergency fund. And step number two is to attack that debt. And so I wanted to attack that debt, but I was very scared of losing that emergency fund. And um, and so I kind of was like, oh, let's just start, you know, minimizing all our expenses. I wrote out every single thing that we were spending our money on. And I started to like eliminate. And I was like, nope, there's not going to be trips to Old Navy. Nope. We don't need Netflix and Hulu. Nope. Um, uh, we don't need, um, these gym memberships. We don't need to be paying so much for parking. We like just, you know, eliminating, eliminating different expenses, monitoring everything again, and using that extra money to pay towards debt. So I would get really happy to make extra payments towards debt, but I continued to track my spending every day and I would check in with the numbers. Um, and I saw that the amount of interest that I was gaining from what I had in savings that I would get in one month was the same amount of interest my student loans were getting oh, each wow. day. 
<laughs> and then I said, okay, I need, I, I want to just take it out. So right away we put $7,000 towards the student loan debt. And now we only had a thousand dollars in an emergency fund. And that scared the shit out of me because the last time I only had a thousand dollars was when I was 20 years old and I left to New York city with the maleta and a thousand dollars. I didn't have two kids at that time. You know, I wasn't on, I wasn't uh, on disability on that time either. That's why some people just don't agree with the order of steps that Dave actually has. And I have to say, I'm one of these people that I don't agree with just putting a thousand dollars and then throwing everything at debt because then shit like what's going on right now happens. Mm -hmm. And then like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, for me, what I think and like my personality and yeah, it's como like soy a little like (laughs) extreme, you know, zero to a hundred. Like, I think that for me, one, we, we got lucky, right. That not another bigger emergency happened because at that time when, when I did, I, my husband was like, go for it, go for it. And I was the one who was actually like a lot more reserved about it. But at that worst case scenario, this, this plan to tackle all this debt in four months is not going to work. Some shit's going to happen and I'm going to have to use credit cards Mm -hmm. as an emergency fund. And I was like, are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kind of, I just was like betting on myself and hoping that everything was going to be okay. And so yeah, so we put that amount of money and then we just like any, all the money, like the first thing that we were doing was just paying, going straight to mm-hmm. the debt. And so we started there. It was just going straight to the debt and then whatever was left, that's what we were going to work with. And then eventually I started budgeting and and planning it out more because we were kind of living on the edge. <laughs> I was like, okay, here's $1,500 towards the student loans. They're like, okay, do we have enough money to cover everything else? I'm like, we're gonna make it work. <laughs> you know, that was a, that was a little crazy. <laughs> so then I actually like created a budget, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna put out the numbers, actually map this out, and um, see if you know, make a plan, and the, yes, everything else is gonna work. And you know, we 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 did that, and of course, you know, like shit happens I get into a car accident Mm. and my car gets totaled yeah and um at that time we did have two cars we had uh like my car and then the mom van and um and I was like well I'm not buying another car and everyone was like what that's so crazy and I was like yeah it is crazy because I don't want to drive around in the mom van either um and so then I was like okay I'm gonna sell the mom van and I'm going to buy a car cash that's less money. And I'm going to put more money towards the debt. And my family was like, what? You have two kids. There's four of you. Like, how are you guys going to be driving around in your small little car? And I'm like, that's just how, like, how are you going to fit two car seats in the back? Ay, Dios. And how like, does the rest of the, like, deve- the, <laughs> the developing world figure it out, guys? Like, they forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think also it's like sometimes like having two cars becomes like a status symbol. Oh, right? for sure. Like, 
that's like the thing. And mind you, I'm there's one driver in this house. My my Dominican New York husband doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> of course. So there's one driver, but two cars. That makes like, zero sense. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, to my family's defense, it was also like that's the same car that my mom uses to like watch my kids and my sister's okay. kids. So she would drive that around. So that was something like she really wanted that car, and I was like mom no you don't you don't need that car and she's like I really want it and the one I ended up selling it to was my mom okay (laughs) um and I I ran my numbers of what how much money I was going to need to buy a new car how much money I wanted to 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 put towards debt and then I asked my I sold the car from that amount only Mm -hmm. even though like it could have gone for more I was like mom wants it fine that's what it's gonna be um and put more towards the debt so then in some ways that car accident ended up being a blessing yeah because it helped me downgrade even more and was more money that was put um towards the debt and I mean I also need to say that my husband and I in 2019 had a six-figure combined like a six-figure income there was no fucking reason for us to be you know carrying around debt there's no reason there was there there was no reason for us to have that um once we decided to become debt free it was like we just got comfortable with having that debt like that we thought it was normal we thought it was like good debt honestly we thought it was good debt we thought it was helping our credit scores and and, and all of this may even be true but I'll tell you, it feels good not having it. <laughs> I know that's right. And I think that's such a common thing, right? People are just like, well, this is just how it's supposed to be. It's normal. Right. Like, we live paycheck to paycheck. That's just what it is. That's the American way. And it's like, no, it really doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And especially, like, also, if we want to get to the point to building wealth, then we really shouldn't be that way absolutely we should be that free we should be like paying ourselves first saving should just be like you know automatic what we do um emergency funds should be in place you know money to invest whether that be in real estate or in the stock market like that's how we're gonna build wealth yep that's how we could invest back into our communities that's how we can like you know um support the small businesses run by us you know, absolutely. Like, so, so yeah, so, so we did it. And, and we just cut a lot of things out. I mean, I didn't have I didn't get my nails done during that time. I didn't get waxing done during that time. I just cut out a lot, a lot. And I just in my head, I was like, it's only a short time. I mean, I'm also like the same, the same girl who in high school was like, it's only four years. <laughs> yeah. Sacrifice for four years. You're going to get your straight A's and you'll get a full scholarship to anywhere you want to go. And bah, you know, like you're going to be gone from Echo Park. You already uh, had the um, instinct for delayed gratification, which I think mm-hmm. is so hard for so many people. Yeah. And it's a muscle. Right? Oh, yeah. So it takes time to develop it. But then that muscle gets stronger. And for me, at this point in my life, now I'm like, oh, Yeah this you know shelter in place safer at home stuff like it's only 30 days I could do I could do anything for four years yeah do anything for you know like like you know it it starts to you just start to rack up these experiences of how you've been able to delay gratification and there's a it's for me it it 
it's a self-esteem thing too. Like builds my confidence. It's like, oh yeah, I could do anything I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then for my husband and I being able to do that together, it's like, oh, now we have something in our like relationship belt that together we work towards and we accomplish. Yeah. Um, and it feels, you know, it, it's exciting. And then it, and then you kind of want to create, you want to do that more <laughs> and you start craving that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we became uh, debt free and then, you know, started living a little bit, getting comfortable again. Cause now I was like, I'm debt free. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm debt free. I'm debt free. I don't have student loans. We don't have student loans. We don't have an emergency fund. <laughs> yeah. There's always a sacrifice. Right. You know, but, but I was out here and then I was like, oh yeah, that's right. The emergency fund. I said, I would, I would build that up. And so I was like, okay, you know, if we continue this, we could continue to save about a thousand five hundred a month and live and live towards that emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I was like listening to, again, you know, started thinking more about financial accounts, found it, you know, investing Latina, um, zero based budgeting. Yep. Cindy, she was another one. And I was just like, nah, like these girls are younger than me and they're out here doing more. And then I started looking at like that Jeffrey community. And I was just like, oh, there's this whole, there's this whole other world uh, that I want to be part of. And that I hope everyone in Echo Park can be part of too. So let me, let me dive in. Let me, let me, you know, figure out this emergency fund business and really tackle that. And so then it became a thing where I was like, you know what, this emergency fund, a six month emergency fund that for us was going to be um, $30,000 at that time. That's debt now that I have to myself. Mm. So that same gazelle intensity that I had about, you know, getting rid of debt to some, you know, corporate America bank or, you know, like Naviant. Yeah. <laughs> to them, like I was all, you know, focused for that. Oh, you best believe. I'm going to be focused when it comes to, you know, the security of my family. This is debt that we are now. Now we are in debt to ourselves. Absolutely. And, and now let's see how fast we can do this. And um, we're now at 29,000. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. We've been doing this. So shit, but... are you throwing a party <laughs> when you hit 30? <laughs> um, it's funny because I, I like, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, I ran my numbers yesterday with my husband and we did like this bare bones budget mm-hmm. of like in case of an emergency, especially with everything happening with, you know, Corona right now. Like what, what would we really be? What would we really need? And yeah. it's wild is the more money we get, the less we feel we need. And the the you know thirty thousand was an amount that we needed now for six months with our new bare bones budget we would only need twenty two thousand six hundred so you already fully funded in the yeah. event of the worst case yeah that's fantastic I think a lot of people need to do that right now like you need to get I saw I think it's the budget Nista on Instagram she calls mm-hmm. it the ramen noodle budget. Like you need to know your ramen noodle budget so that like if you just got to go straight back to like 19 Uh years uh old, broke as fuck, Uh like I'm just paying the minimum to have a place over my head, um, some food in my stomach and like some lights on in my house. What is that number? Because chances are it's a lot smaller than when you add up all the bullshit that you are just spending money on because it like makes your life a little bit luxurious, but it's not a need. Yeah. 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 So that bare bones budget, having that, um, 
so now that we've done that, our next thing is like wanting to, to save to buy a house. There's a part of me that like wonders, like, should we just have 12 months? Should we have a 12 months? Because we are a single income family right now. It's only my husband. Yeah. You know, um, who's working um, and getting paid for it. Because I'm out here doing the most this. I'm just not getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Let's put it out into the world so that one day you will transform this into something profitable. Oh, yes, for sure. Let, it was it was declared here. <laughs> you heard it first, people. You heard it first. Heard it here first here. Um, I have so, a question, though, for you. Yeah. As someone who has just identified so, like, fiercely independently and just been so self-reliant, how was that transition to relying on your husband for income? Because I feel like that shit is like the number one reason why I'm not a mom right now, because I just like, I can't relinquish that, that control to my husband for any amount of time. It's just, it's hard. Right. And mm-hmm, I think so many mm-hmm. people tie their identity to what they do. And it's the society just doesn't give stay at home moms the respect and the honor that they deserve. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, I was also a teacher, right? My yeah. first career was a teacher. Teachers don't get the respect. Damn the straight. They deserve. So I went from being a teacher to being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. need money. <laughs> yes. You're basically doing so, the same shit times yeah. a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, it's it's been a bitch. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a hard. I, um. I, there's been many times where I cry to my best friend. I'm like, I just feel like I'm not doing anything with my life. And she's like, Rita Soledad, you're doing the mostest. You're doing mm-hmm. the mostest. I'm like, but this is not what I imagined. And, and my husband will also be like, why are you torturing yourself? Like, why don't you enjoy more of it? You know, like you put a lot of things on your own plate. And I just tell him, like, I grew up with Destiny's Child. You know, like, <laughs> that's not supposed to be. You know, like, <laughs> you know, Jennifer Lopez even has her song, I mean, ain't your mama. Like, I never was mama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's hard I it's can't. hard especially because I like I see people out here also doing you know being career women and also you know working moms you know they're, they're handling both too so there's and I think about my grandmothers too like one of my grandmothers was forced to be a stay-at-home mom she didn't want that for herself mm. that's the one I wrote about on Instagram who was really good at math and I think that you know me becoming a math major was like an um, an homage to her um, mm-hmm. because she didn't want that she wanted to have her career and um, my grandfather who I love love so much at the end of the day he was a machista and as great of a grandpa he was maybe not so much in other areas you know and yeah. um and so I think about her. And then I also think about my with Teresa, who she was forced to work. She had six children and she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Or my mom, who wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and then got divorced and was forced to work. And, and that was hard for her. Um, and there's, there's a blessing and a luxury to be able to be a stay-at-home mom, to be able to live comfortably on one income. Um, that's a fact. It is. And yet there's also this part of me that's like needs more too. 
that's used to doing more. That's okay. So it, you know, I'm grateful that I started my whole generational wealth para todos because it is like an outlet for my creativity. It is gives me an opportunity to just write and relate to people and talk to people and explore, um, you know, different possibilities. Because that's another thing that's hard for me. Like I'm, I'm 33 years old and I don't know what I want to do with my life. That's what, would, you know, it was no joke when I told you I was having an existential crisis writing the bio <laughs> for the podcast. And I was like, Ooh. and as I listened to the podcast and, you know, see, you know, all your previous guests who I follow on Instagram and they're like, you know, the coolest. I'm like, oh, aquí viene la mamá. And then I have to check myself and be like, aquí viene la mamá, you know, and, and, and change it up. Word. Um, so it's, it's, it's a back and forth thing where it's like, sometimes I'm like, oh. I'm I'm living the dream and other times I'm like what's the dream <laughs> yeah I think that is the existential crisis of a woman yeah. to be honest I don't think that we can ever we we're just ever comfortable with the status quo I don't think it's in our nature as a species I think we are naturally more driven to just give it mm-hmm. all and sometimes it ends up being that we give so much that we end up neglecting Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'm curious about is like, you are mom, you are like a million things, but how do you center yourself and like get back to yourself and give to yourself, like mentally, physically, what do you do? Well, first things first, therapy. (laughs) Therapy has helped me a lot because I, I would say that um a year ago yeah I could legit say a year ago I had gotten so sick from from teaching and also being who I wanted to be as a mother a wife a teacher a a friend uh a daughter like you know the list goes on that I kept giving 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 and I think that's part of the reason why um I eventually started you know, had a relapse. I have uh, autoimmune issues. And so I have to be careful with that. And stress management is a big thing on how to like prevent having, um, you know, uh, a flare up. Flare up. Um, And slowly just, I've had to really, really learn how much of what I think I want might just be the result of capitalism and colonization oh it definitely is (laughs) and um you know being like uh coming from an immigrant family like how all of that the like a lot of the 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 desire to be productive and and to stay busy how sometimes that's even a coping mechanism to distract myself Mm -hmm. from from facing other things to just I feel like you're literally describing me like to the T it's not even funny it's a lot of it (laughs) and I think you've had this conversation with your previous guests too and as like I'm washing dishes and listening to you guys I'm like yeah me too me too (laughs) yeah man we all have a struggle it's Um, a collective struggle and so it's about decolonizing ourselves embracing a little bit more of socialism (laughs) you know like you know and just um and checking yourself checking my so for me it's about checking my mind and the ways I check my mind is by meditating daily um and I'm grateful that I learned about meditation um five years ago 
So it's it's been like a, a big practice of mine. Prior to even meditating, I was always someone who really liked the rosary, even though I'm not Catholic anymore. Like there was something about the rosary that I felt like the repetitiveness of it was very a good coping mechanism, a good way to calm my feelings. But I would say therapy, checking my thoughts, um, being aware of of the voices I hear, the messages I'm, or how I speak to myself and then naming them. And sometimes I'm just saying like, oh no, that's colonization. Oh no, that's capitalism. <laughs> oh no, that's, you know, trauma of um, trauma from, from sexism. That's, that's colorism. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, like all the, uh, that's ableism. The isms. Yeah, like all the, all the isms <laughs> and just saying, that's not, that's not you, Rita Soledad. That's just that. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, just distance ourselves and creating a space from that. Um, and also, you know, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time and not feeling guilty about I need to work out. I need to talk to my friends. I need to do this. and Everyone else is going to do something else. And like even right now, like my kids are like, mama. <laughs> why is she in the office but now they know like if I'm in the office I'm working and that's it Mm -hmm. and working might mean on myself and that's good (laughs) my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments then tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe I streamlined my payment process effortlessly Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I love that. So I want to know what your generational wealth journey is looking like at this point. So debt-free, check. Emergency fund, check. Um, this year, I just want to continue to learn to invest. I want to max out retirement accounts. I want to save money to buy property. I think the property, our first property is going to be a multi-unit, um, home, hopefully like at least a duplex, um, so Mm -hmm. that we can do some house hacking. Uh, I want to, I, I, think for me it's meant to own like lots of property which is wild because I live in Los Angeles and it's expensive um but in my heart of hearts like I don't know like I'm I I I feel like the universe kind of guides me a lot of times and I just in my meditations and in my listening to just like myself and what comes up I'm just like it's gonna work out it's gonna happen um just keep spending more time with yourself like that's what I get myself like when I take my moments to wake up I don't drink coffee I wake up early 4 30 every day in the morning with no alarm no coffee but I go and drink water and I step outside and I just breathe and I think like I just have to you know like cultivate that trust in myself and in my life journey 
and just know like everything's gonna be okay what's meant for me can never be taken away from me and what's not meant for me will never be mine I say that I say that all the time I love that and and I I do want to say that I think it's it's real estate and also like investing it somehow somehow (laughs) that's gonna happen it's it but it's gonna be real estate and then it's gonna be um investing in the stock market and then teaching I just want to teach other people to do the same and at least here in Echo Park you know maybe that's so important like I think that's why all of us are are doing this because we are trying to be a voice to a group of people that they didn't have a voice this is just not information that was shared with us and we're trying to participate in the same amount of privilege that has been um, kind of a given for other right. And where people some in people this country. get it from their families, we have to get it from each other. You know, we get it from our Instagram comadres. Absolutely. Um, that's what I feel like I have in you and and these other people because I just think like, no, I'm I'm not alone. There's other people who are doing this. I think about how Miss Be Helpful is is out here talking to high school students. And she's doing that like in New York City. And I've told her, like, I, I think I could do that here in Echo Park, you know, and, and you can do it mm-hmm. in Florida, you know, and everyone just does it where they are. And eventually, you know, everyone has access. Um, poco a poco, todo con yeah. tiempo. Absolutely. So I know that there was a lot of hunger for speaking to a millennial mom that is on this debt free journey and so I love that you were able to share so many aspects of your life and I just want to close out the interview by asking you what encouragement or advice do you have for other millennial Latina moms that are just like I'm trying to do all this like where do I even start what should I do yeah I would say uh, health is always wealth so take care of your health first Um, consider therapy it doesn't even need to be for something like problematic but just to know where your mindset is because if your mind is right everything else is going to fall into place and nothing is going to stop you um figure out like what motivates you feel your feelings and but don't get attached to those feelings i would say like my advice is start there with that emotional part and then read 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 um connect with other people connect with me (laughs) connect with me and other people on instagram find uh, your tribe that's going to be supporting you, even though like my best friends are not on this debt free journey yet, they definitely support me and they and and it's nice to do stuff. I think especially like Latinos in general, like we're collaborative people. So, you know, connect with other people who are going to support those dreams um, and the resources are out there. And the resources now, luckily, are out there from people who look like us, who sound like us, who have stories like us. Um, read the blogs, read the books, um, and be patient with yourself. And remember, remember, todo con tiempo. Um, enjoy it. Enjoy the journey. Anything that feels like deprivation is not sustainable. So notice it when you feel deprived. And then check yourself and realign um, to your goals again but you got this I would tell whoever like is listening you got this I know you're gonna do it and if you need a reminder like dm me <laughs> yay I love it okay so remind everybody where we um, follow on you. instagram at generational wealth para todos 
Para todos. Yes. That's the most important thing. Because the generational mm-hmm. wealth has been out there. It just mm-hmm. hasn't been for everybody. Yes. And we're about to change that shit. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, Soledad. This was you. amazing. This has been so fun talking to you, comadre. <laughs> yes, I can't wait for everybody to hear. You have such an amazing story and you have so many gems of wisdom in here. I'm going to have to listen to this over oh. and over again. It's like a, a pep oh, talk you, for the soul. You, thank, you. thank you for having this podcast. And I'm so <laughs> excited to continue to see how this continues to grow and how you become our, our Latina Susie Orman. <laughs> oh my gosh girl from god your ears. mouth to god's ears <laughs> okay thank you honey okay guys can we just talk about how fucking awesome rita is just as a human like i just want to carry her around in my pocket because she's hilarious she's so smart And I just love the fact that she has taken the reins of her entire family's finances and has decided look I know what's best for y'all and what's best for y'all is financial stability and generational wealth. And I'm going to do what I need to do to get us all in that place. So I hope that if you're a mom, this inspires you. If you're a stay-at-home mom, I hope this inspires you. If you're a woman, I hope this inspires you because it really reminds me of a quote from the movie, um, what the heck was it? Oh, the my big fat Greek wedding when the mom of the family of you know the matriarch of the big Greek family says the man is the head of the family but the woman is the neck and she turns his head in the direction that she wants to go and I think that's so true like we have a lot of power as women to shape the people around us we have skills of communication and persuasion that just make us fucking unstoppable. So I hope that this episode inspires you to be that voice, be that leader in your family and take control of your finances so that you and your family can build legacies that will outlast you and your children. So until next time, guys, stay educated, stay motivated, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer